Classical um, presentation of the local five hindrances, and the revealing of these through the um, manifold multiplicity of, of experiences that are occurring in the mind. So even to reveal uh, and to be able to um, form a frame around five hindrances is already uh, a good sign. <laughs> so often it's just the can be just a kind of confusing blur. So we go down to only five things. That's progress. <laughs> and there's some sense also of certain objectivity. Well, that's that. Yeah. So this is what occurs. Awareness, which at first is so mingled up, well, like water in which there's all kinds of, like a river with all kinds of stuff floating around in it and all inner tubes and broken bottles and chemicals and dyes and yet the water is still wet underneath all that there's still something there so awareness is always there but it's often mingled with so many other qualities that it's difficult to really differentiate it but uh, through any process of steadying and stilling and uh, a wise discernment such as discerning, determining precepts, determining patience, determining um, introspection and renunciation of, of outgoing tendencies and renunciation of sense contact then awareness will begin to uh, become clearer 
although what it's often clear about, first of all, are the nature of the problems. Mm. And so this is a kind of uh, introduction, uh, you know, uh, it's also definitely always helpful to incline one's awareness to the nature of the solution, the goodwill, the ease, the, uh, the comfortable, the contented, and signs that give rise to those qualities. So this is the process of careful attention or deep attention or wise attention. The only sikara which is that's manas, the thinking cogitating mind, so kara to make it, to do it, an activity of the thinking mind, the only soul that goes to the the source, the essence. So this is what I described previously as a kind of filtering or channeling process whereby one would be able to take a cluster of experience which it seems to be the similar tone this is all the worry this is all the irritation this is all the anxiety this is all contained within the root under the heading of of uh, desire or grit or craving wanting so you just kind of summarize all those stories into these simple headings this is a process called uh, careful attention, which you harvest and you assess as that. And then also this is the quality of goodwill, this is the quality of, of uh, uh, conscience and concern, this is the quality of um, faith and inspiration. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all these qualities. And then it's... Uh, Buddha says, well, you know, how does, how do, what is food for the hindrances is careless attention. Attention that's not, doesn't do that. Attention that scatters, goes off into <coughs> the details of everything and the diversities of things. So instead of clustering things together into all well, this can be summarized as fear or anxiety rather than problem with so and so and well this comes under the anxiety heading so the opposite is it diversifies into uh, anxiety about this and that and this and that and this and we just get into the topics and lose the essence so this tendency papancha which is making something that's simple into something that's complex that is the uh, uh, one of the, the main one of the main ways into the mind leaks and loses its energy into diversification. So we do the opposite, We're drawing everything back into simple. Then it's going to be more manageable with careful attention. First stage of careful attention. <coughs> Second stage of careful attention, another process of careful attention is to is to be careful. 
and so those topics that give rise to anxiety it's best not to give them a lot of attention to, to feed them you want to feed the, the qualities that give rise to uh, ease, confidence um, contentment, gratitude happiness simplicity yeah, skillful states so that you're not feeding giving food to the tendencies that cause ill will to arise, restlessness to arise um, craving to arise so so this is the way you carefully attend so there are these tendencies and the five hindrances ill will uh, or cra- craving, sense craving, karma chanda, taste, touch, sight, sounds, that which wants to gobble something up and lose ourselves in a sense object, lose our, our uh, dishevelled state into something gratifying. kind of unfulfilled state we want to bury that into something that's gives us immediate fulfilment so yeah as long as it is the unfulfilled state you want to seek fulfilment and the easiest one is sense, sense contact so yeah. and then irritation negativity ill will much sense impingement is disagreeable and on top of that there's the dis- many of the mental psychological atmospheres you live in are disagreeable they're pressurised they're, they're not loving they're disrespectful um, so, so you're Dullness, slothfulness, lack of lack of enthusiasm. It doesn't just mean physical fatigue, it also means something like a lack of lack of buoyancy, lack of spring, and lack of the right enthusiasm go forth quality. And this can be the case when the mind is oppressed by the other hindrances, so it just feels tired and hopeless and or it just doesn't want to bother having to work against all these other energies so it sinks down restlessness searching for something to get busy with, active with because it gives the mind something to engage with the mind doesn't know how to engage uh, on a subtle level so it seeks thoughts, things to do to get a particular kind of energy going that it finds uh, uncomfortable, familiar and do it, energy with the with a sense one feels powerful, one feels capable, one feels competent one feels efficient, effective and getting things done, this is very lovely, juice rather than ticking things off my to-do list really, really sailing away having a good day <laughs>
so when there's not much to do in meditation that the mind starts creating things to do because that's what it's familiar with so the, the do it thing is a certain excitability around uh, getting things done with what that contains it gives a certain quality of, of, of affirmation and an energy which we rather enjoy and doubt speculation inability to, to sit, sign something off and say that's that that's completed, that's done so, well, maybe another hand, it could be but I don't really know whether I should mm, could be this could be. so it doesn't really land on anything so it's tentative quality, tentative and um, not able to finalise commit it's a sort of fear our lack of, of, of uh, fullness of mind something is holding back uncertain and there can be all kinds of reasons for that these hindrances are conditioned by sense contact itself and also emphasized and accentuated by shared social contact which often takes the messages of sense contact and uh, amplifies them to fantastic proportions so ordinary sense contact is quite nice to eat something when you're hungry you get an enjoyment interest in that with social socialized sense contact it's fantastic to eat a whopping burger it's fantastic (laughs) it's a special offer the meal of your life with 16 different kinds of cheese and dressings and gooey sauces poured over it and it's sizzling hot crisp golden brown luscious delicious sumptuous fantastic only one dollar you'd be a fool not to buy this <laughs> so that's the kind of amplification that we can get around most if nothing nothing is unamplified everything is you know 50 decibels louder but, you know fantastic exciting insurance policy wonderful amazing you know constipation pills or something (laughs) (laughs) to brighten your day (laughs) and make you more happy and comfortable and fun to live with (laughs) (laughs) so this whole thing is ramping everything up and though a lot of the stuff is completely fatuous and we know it as such still what occurs is a certain heightening of attention to to, to sensory world so the mind gets totally adjusted to only being able to perceive those things which are 50 decibels loud 
because that's what it's been we've programmed it it's like one is trained or it has been trained to only hear things at 50 decibels you could say yeah if you use this auditory uh, metaphor so it can't hear things at 5 decibels because it's kind of it's been toned up to a certain pitch and of course as, as things go on the, the, the sound gets louder you know, because with competition in the marketplace, then the next thing is eventually has to be even louder to get over the top of the other ones. And so it's constantly adding more and more labelling to the product. You know, so if you buy anything these days, the labelling is everywhere, isn't it? You know, you can't hardly see the goods for the labelling. Indulge yourself in luscious, wonderful... Uh, fresh mountain fresh from the mountains in Morocco with dew kissed leaves and by you know dusky Arab women in mystical attire brought to you fresh, organic, biodegradable, new, improved. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what's this? Oh it's peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> So if you see something that just says peppermint, you can't even notice it anymore. <clears throat> so one gets deaf. And then when you come to meditate, well, the decibel level is very low. It's like, you know, maybe half. So mine can't track it. Can't track anything that's, a, that's a kind of low key as breathing in and out, no way. So, because the mind is used, familiarized to a high degree of sense hit, then it starts generating fantasy, craving. Mm. So, you know, we have to... uh, um, So certainly lifestyle helps with this. You, you just can't, you know, adjusting, renouncing lifestyle really helps to just tone everything down until you can pick up subtler and subtler qualities. <clears throat> and certainly in the conventional world, it's good to be careful about what you give attention to and try to avoid the labels and be aware of your shopping and block the advertisements as best you can. And, uh, also, you know, counter that by upgrading and lift, raising the decibels on such things as Buddha, <laughs> Dhamma, Sangha, mindfulness. You know, this is what pujas help with. They, they they raise the volume and they deepen the imaginative quality of it. Just as you see the volume raised on the bar of soap and the imaginative quality woven around which is basically just a piece of glycerin and fat with various um, a few scents in it and then you the mythology uh, something like soap so initially then we do it kind of a bit of a mythologizing around qualities such as uh, Buddha Dharma Sangha, Truth Awakening and actually these mythologies are a little closer to the truth because there was a Buddha <laughs> 
who did uh, model many of these qualities so we can sense you know, the human form and if you have Kalyanamita and people you know in some ways remind you or model those then you can bring those to mind so this definitely sustaining and amplifying perceptions that incline the mind out of the world of sense contact which has been largely commercialized and distorted into the world of um, mind or spirit Niramisa, uh, Samisa is the conventional sensory world Niramisa the um, unworldly, unworldly experience not conjoined with sensuality now it's not that sen- sensuality is, is wrong it's just there it is, we are born into this but is the, the fantasy amplifications around it that are problematic so even in steady sense contact not using the eyes to steadily look at simple things you know, snow is a very good nimitta it's clean, white calming mm. sound chanting sound mantra so you can use de- determine particular kinds of sense contact that cause the mind to listen, sensitize more deeply and not to get these powerful hits that, that stir up but rather uh, contact that tends towards steady so you're just standing in the soles of the feet contact, tactile contact and uh, of all the bases of contact the, the six senses then we can use visual contact seeing things that support calming, steadying uh, and so forth and you can use tactile contact tactile contact the soles of the feet on the ground the resting of the hands on the legs resting of one palm on the other palm simple contact Tactile contact is very powerful in its sensitivity and its um, how it goes right into you. You feel it. So it can be, uh, one can use that skillfully. And obviously, also, of course, when you do maintain awareness of the physicality of the body, you can discern the movements of passion. The, the surging where the body seems to tense up we get flushes of it or ill will where it tends to hard and prickle and feel sour or anxiety where it tends to shiver and contract and restlessness where it jumps around and so forth and, and dullness when you must lose it altogether the, the body seems to dissolve into a bag of glue and you're just kind of swimming in this bag of glue <laughs> you know, coming out of that to the bones, the spine the eyes open feeling the skin directly can help extract you from the glue 
and so one, you know, just to say that sense contact is not the problem. It's it's the the araga, the passion, the arousing. So sense contact tends towards stability, firming, calming, reassuring, steadying. Yeah, that's fine. But we we can use that. So in this way, a wise person recognizes, well, before you can get anything too subtle and sublime, you want to get something that's as, as close as the hand, in, hand on your lap, you know, <laughs> which isn't refined, but it's extremely sensitive and it carries a powerful trigger in terms of when it's aggressive or comfortable, nervy, distracted, sleepy. That's why we use the hand mudras. And one way of, of dealing or meeting um, the uh, pull of the hindrances is to place the hands together in a mudra, whereby, <coughs> as you probably recognize, you know, you have back of one hand resting in the palm of the other and the thumb tips touching. So, in that mudra, if you even you keep your eyes open and just focus on that sensation and it's the backs of your hands, the backs of the fingers, are they, are they really relaxed, are they still slightly tense? Because these are our claws, you know? the back of the hand is, is the claw and you want the claw to soften but only in accordance with the soft tissues of the hand filling up, otherwise you just go soggy. So can you feel the thumb tips touching, sensitivity? Can you come into the palms of your hands, the soft cushions there, as if you are almost inflating those soft cushions or feeling the cushioning effects of the soft tissues, the warming, the tingling. So one can meditate helpfully just on holding that mudra. And of course, if you're mind drifts off, you'll find the sun tips slip apart, and you, you should notice that. Mm. You know, that, that. That sudden breaking of contact, because the finger, fingertips are very sensitive and very acute, so if they're just slightly touching and even just slightly pressing, then you'll notice when that disappears, and that would be your first signal, uh-oh, wait, come back, re-establish what's happening. And when you do the what's happening uh, checking point, it's a very good idea to check your spine. Draw the lower spine in, because almost certainly when we when the mind slips off, we'll find ourselves bending forward. Body loses, we lose the body, and it's we go slightly fetal. So it's pushing the lower spine in, and then working up the spine between the shoulder blades and drawing the area between the shoulder blades in towards the heart and again this uh, uh, this particular body position uh, is it goes against the um, the socialized trend whereby when we're sitting in a chair then the lower back tends to collapse because it's not it leans against so we lose that inward curve and then when you generally when you're operating through your head seeing witnessing 
then your head comes forward and you get a slight stoop in the shoulders well that's pretty standard in most occupations you're looking at the screen, the page, the paper whatever, and your head comes forward and your shoulders tend to tip over and that would be the normal position or we're moving forward so our head is driving forward so pulling the shoulder blades between the shoulder blades draw pulling it in and drawing your head back from the emphasis on the face to the emphasis being on where the neck and the cranium join so this could be our checking place you come back to that and settle again and then again you might pick up your meditation theme or, or pick up your meditation theme in accordance with your ability to sustain that could be for three minutes, five minutes and then if you're tired, okay wriggle around, do it again over time your body will begin to readjust itself to that because it is a very healthy and uh, uh, and energising uh, position once you can once the body's got used to sustaining it's very beneficial in all in all respects health physical health vitality you name it put a label on it sell this one this is fantastic <laughs> makes you look 10 years younger <laughs> only fifty dollars so and then it does it improves the breathing as, as well so your mindfulness of breathing becomes a lot easier because you've got a much bigger fuller breath uh, channel so cultivate like that before and make that something that becomes something like these, these foundational steps like it seems to be that most of the practice, 80% of it is foundation, maybe 90% of it is foundation. And it's a time for a few little, you know, deeper penetrations of <laughs> uh, 10%. So just establish that foundation time and time again. Because what you're t- training yourself in is, is proper attention. And proper attention starves the hindrances. And not lack of proper attention feeds the hindrances. You don't want to feed them, but that's what it does. So if you're just learning how to attend in much more than just a, you know, really an embodied way to make your body attentive, then you're going to have much less food for the hindrances. And that's great, isn't it? There's a, a source of misery. So with this in mind, you know, it's worthwhile putting it with a bit of discomfort and effort if it's going to clear the hindrances. You've got nothing else to clear it with because in an average situation, people obstruct these hindrances by putting something else in the way. So feeling ill, well, well, watch something. Feeling disappointed, well, read something. Feeling angry, well, drink something. Feeling sleepy, well, take a nap, you know, or have a hit of something. But when you can't do that, <laughs> then you've got to meet them head on. Yeah. 
So yes, it's uncomfortable, but we're doing something very foundational and transformative, where we become independent of the world and its hooks and its traps and its addiction. So wise attention. This is, uh, conjoins with sati, mindfulness, bearing something in mind, slightly different. Bearing something in mind, mindfulness becomes more uh, available through the process of deep attention. And with mindfulness we can, ex- we can do another very uh, uh, powerful um, cultivation to, to dislodge another message of sense contact and social contact um, a message we don't really even acknowledge very much or, or really get get the meaning of uh, which is uh, stopping and starting the world in general believes in stopping and starting and stopping and starting in the social context context is amplified also you know, whereas in the sensory world you see, oh, the day's begun, it's ended. You know, it takes, I don't know how long does it take, 45 minutes for twilight. In the tropics it's 20 minutes, day goes night. Northern hemisphere it might take an hour, day is now finished, ending. Yeah. Or we're, we're taking leave. Oh, goodbye, hello, so, 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 slowly leaving, slowly entering. Well, as we recognize in the world, the socialized world, that, that is speeded up. Get red light, green light, stop, go. In, in many things, instant, rush in, crash, closed, two minutes late, closed. Uh, red light, green light, green light, 10 seconds, everybody's honking their horns. Get going, hurry up, what are you there for? Rush. Traffic light, red light, screech, stop. And these aren't just road signs, it's in, in a lot of life, it's like these beginnings and ending. Is there any pause between one and the other? In worldly life, often there's no pause. It's like one thing's beginning almost before the other thing is ending, so you, do, you barely even just rush or flow from one thing to the next. <laughs> and the mind gets used to that. And considered to be more competent, the more flung one can be, the more excellent one is. You know, she's really well flung. She's been flung around the office. <laughs> Very fast, look, she <laughs> flung so fast, she's barely think straight. Really good worker. Can't break, you know, when it's time to stop, doesn't stop. Keeps going. Over time, pile it off. <laughs> uh, 
and then you know what happens the mind gets used to that next thing, next thing, next thing in fact before something's happened we're already planning it so there's no pausing, there's no clear ending uh, or, or, or things you know, stop, start but then it, even as they do there's also um, both the, the jarring impression of one thing stopping the next thing beginning and eventually you get this sense that two or three things are running at the same time uh, stop, start, so you're doing both putting one thing down, picking the next thing up yeah, as you're putting the saucepan down the stove, the other hand's reaching out, plugging the kettle in. Yeah. And you're having a conversation at the same time, or planning the meal. And again, receiving a phone call with the phone jam from your shoulder and your ear. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, excuse me, I'm just frying the pancakes. You know? So, sort of multitasking. And so, this sort of crashing around. Now, in, in, uh, with mindfulness, <laughs> you try to sustain one theme through its arising and its subsiding. And the difference between arising and subsiding different from stopping and starting. Because nothing really starts and nothing really stops. It just arises some more dial and then it fades out. Vipassana. Just like the breath itself. You get to the what we call the end of the out breath is a sustained fade. The ending of the in breath is also a sustained fade. It moves along, it gets the ending towards the ending of it, and it slows down and it fades and dissolves. And there's a pause and then something brings it back. So particularly lengthening one's attention beyond the apparent ending, which isn't really an ending, it's a subsiding, just like something is dipping beneath the water and then cresting again, coming up. And the pauses, what seems to be the pause, when the mind itself is just opening, listening, and we're aware of the listening the opening and then out of that or within that form starts to arise and we sustaining mindfulness means that the ability to have reference point in mind so when that reference point is absent we notice oh, this is where it's subsided and we're still sustaining the reference point when nothing is happening. And then something arises. Slowly comes washing in, peaks, and then turns, slows down. So, 
you know, this is this is a very different rhythm, clearly. And you can think this is such a different rhythm, is it possible to do this? When we're so used to rushing on to the next, the mind is so entrained into that. And so often people find, well, you know, this is just such a different thing. I have to um, lead it, you know, give myself mind something so we can use a word, for example. People often use a word like Udo. Udo, so extending the sound, the mental intonation, do, all the way over the out breath. See, the hearing, the listening. And waiting, so that if you can attune to the softening of experience, rather than the peak, the fading. So, because breath is always a graduated fading, particularly as your breath breathing process becomes calmer, it doesn't jump so much. It tends to swell and subside. So, then training oneself to try to follow a down slope. When energy is slowing, or the sensation rate is lesser, and the volume intensity is lesser, and can you take it a little bit further before the mind drifts off, can't make it anymore? It's too subtle. Can you listen a little more deeply, and perhaps just support it with the, the sounding? With the ear faculty, the hearing faculty, tracing, softening, quietening, inner sound, as if you're listening more deeply. So we're using some of the sense faculties in an internalized way. Another way to, these are all metaphorical of course, but life is metaphorical. All of it perception. So, the other way you're handling it, imagine the breath is running over your fingers like, like a thread or a, or a rope or water. Imagine what you feel like it is running through your body. So, how to get something like a tactile quality to it. So, it's first of all a, a firm rope when it's thick in the middle and it tails off into some more silky and just like you're feeling it tracing, tickling your hands you said something softer as the subtler traces of it trail through until you get the sense of nothing there and yet the hand of the mind is still there the ear of the mind is still listening So we get the, an empty contact, you might say, and yet there is the contact. This is a training in sustaining sati, because the theme we have in mind, we're bearing in mind, is following the process, a natural process, a process of nature, which is doesn't switch on and off, it dawns and it twilights fading, that's nature, 
and our bodies in nature, our lives in nature, our breath is nature. As you train your mind to get used to nature, yeah. it learns to follow nature rather than impose human programs or social programs onto nature. Social programs such as, okay, get it going, can't do this, chuck it away, get a new one, hurry up, so forth. Sort of following nature, just as if you're walking somewhere very special. But this, of course, the sense of the familiarity of the familiarization perception is something that is a subtle enemy. When it's familiar, it's either ho-hum, here we go again, and in all the familiar programs get going, the social programs, the ones we may have been inducted into, get going. Or a slight sense of casualness, like same old thing, mm-hmm. not really sharply with it. Therefore, one is always a stranger, always a beginner, always un- not knowing where the moment will be. This is someone who trains themselves like a hunter or a bird watcher. You don't quite know where the next one is coming from, but you're keenly alert to it. Even the silence is here. Something's happening. Where's my body now? Where's my location now? Where's my life force now? Your life force and your breathing are synonymous. Where's my life force? Where's my vitality now? How is that manifest in the body? That will take you into the breathing. So this certainly helps with restlessness. Uh, Of course restlessness is its main enemy. Restlessness wants to jump onto the next thing, and progress and get things going. And here we train ourselves to not get things going, but to follow the thread of something that doesn't operate in that same rhythm. Definitely training. And for this we train ourselves walking, walking the way the body walks. The measured, full body, you know, leisurely stroll, you could say, where the whole body's not moving forward, it's learning how to move itself. That again helps. And with walking, notice you know, there's a sensation of a foot on the ground and there's a lifting and the pause where the you know, where we're not. Um, that foot isn't in contact and then it comes into contact, that sensory impression becomes strong, you feel the weight descending on that foot and then the lifting and again a kind of a openness and then... So contemplate space element this is where the element is almost extinct in daily life it's crammed full of stuff contemplate the space element internally, externally, around one's body within one's body 
within one's mind when it pauses the space element directly know it now doubt works around belief in thought so again this is a strong uh, condition something we have all participated in affirming the value and the primacy of thought and of course thought is an incredibly powerful tool like everything else it becomes its own it becomes the master uh, rather than the servant to which so it begins to supplant reality rather than represent it it's a way of representing things for matters of function but it begins to plant, become the reality <laughs> rather represented. so then we search for reality and truth in thought and is what thought's about thought's about representation conceptual representation but it's so we're so brilliant and agile and, and seemingly so uh, pliant to our wishes that uh, it's like uh, it, uh, we, we buy into it then it becomes it's a subtle way in which it first of all advertises itself as granting us wisdom and we buy into it and as you as you get into it it's, uh, it becomes the tyrant a black magician weaving all kinds of fantasies and uh, supplanting reality and always promising clarity and sense of purpose and conviction and firmness when we get the right thought but the right thought lasts for a split second before it dissolves into and so the next thought we search for the next thought to fill in the space to make us feel certain and confident which we are for a second or two before that thought dissolves so it goes on like every other drug the hit, the promise the brief gratification and then the fade out the search for another one this is where of course mindfulness of body is uh, of paramount importance and the Buddha felt that mindfulness of breathing was the main theme for quelling uh, discursive thought you can't really think breathing you can certainly colour your breathing with a thought if you use the word like buddho following, use it as a tracking system flag so then you use it but you're not using it to speculatively, discursive using it as applied thought rather than discursive thought vitaka is applied rather than discursive and a very simple thought will do a conducive thought plant it sustain it 
then we don't need it, you let it dissolve and let the, the real embodied experience come forth, be felt. speaks for itself. We learn to hear a new language. We learn to hear a language that's not a thought, word and concept, a language that's to do with perception, impressions such as steady, comfortable, flowing, bright, easy, rising, space, you know, energetic, language of energies, language of mood and these languages are far uh, richer and more close to the mark of direct experience than conception so when we get a real firm validation and the fruition of that direct contact we're no longer so fascinated by thought words because the real thing feels substantially deeper and richer. So through careful attention, proper attention, sustained mindfulness, conducive theme, in this way we undermine the basis of the hindrances and the result is a primary quality of uh, chitta comes forth from its wrappings and it feels so it's like a person who's come out of jail, like someone who's paid off a debt, like a traveller crossing a desert and coming across a lake of water. That's what it feels like. Worth working for. Ah. Uh.